Good morning. My name is Josh Presley. My name is not Encounter Church. My name is Josh Presley. I'm the youth director here at Encounter Church, and I've only been here for a little bit less than a year. It's gone by so fast because it's been so amazing, right? Can I hear an amen? I'm just testing you on that one. There's going to be a lot of interaction during this sermon. I want you to be ready, okay? So, uh, this picture behind me, you'll see my lovely wife, uh, my daughter Nora, and myself. And they've gone home already, but if you saw them in between uh, the two experiences, then you might have seen my daughter walk up to you and, and say, hi, and then run away. And it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's like one of the words that she really, really knows. And she practices it every single Sunday, along with her cuteness, uh, makes the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, about a little over a year ago, uh, Pastor Dirk gives me a call. And if you know anything about when pastors call you, you know that they're probably going to ask for one of two things. So let's go with the first thing. The first thing is Pastor Dirk's going to call you and he's going to say, hey, I've got this really great ministry idea and I think you would be perfect. You would be perfect to volunteer in it. Now, what we do is, is we meet every Tuesday and Thursday uh, and we do this thing, and, and this thing is going to impact Encounter Church in a big way, and it's going to impact Kentwood, the city, in a big way, and it's probably going to impact the world in a big way. What do you say? Oh, and by the way, uh, we'll meet for four hours every Tuesday and Thursday night, a total of eight hours a week that you're going to have to give up. That's your time. And the second thing that he asked for is uh, something that we don't really like to talk about, which is our money. Right, so let's go on the same thing. So Pastor Dirk calls you, and he says, hey, you know, really great ministry idea. It's going to affect uh, the church here in big ways. It's going to affect the city of Kentwood in big ways, and it's going to affect the world in big ways. All we need you to do is fill out this envelope and donate $20 a month as a silver sponsor, uh, $50 a month as a gold sponsor, or you could be a platinum sponsor and give $5,000 right now. What do you say? So when Pastor Dirk calls me and he says, hey, Josh, how you doing? I say, great. What's up, Dirk? He says, I got an opportunity for you. I said, uh, hey, Jesse, um, can you grab the checkbook in my calendar? I need to be ready uh, for, for, for money and for time. I, I, Jesse, please. He's going to ask me. I know he is. He says, Josh, I got an opportunity for you. We have a youth director position opening up here, and I think that you would be great to apply for. What, what do you say? So I, I think about it. I say, okay, okay. Dirk, I have a full-time youth pastor job here in, in Portage. I, I get full medical benefits. My, my wife is a physical therapy downtown Kalamazoo, and she loves it. And my daughter, she gets a free childcare from my family. I mean, that's like 850 bucks a month that you're saving right there. That's a big deal. Dirk, we, we've made plans here in Kalamazoo. We, we've made plans to grow our family. We've made plans to grow ministry, to grow in our profession. Dirk, no. No, Dirk. 
I don't think that it's the right timing. I don't think that I'm going to go for it. So I go home. We, Jesse and I talk about it. And she agrees with me. She says, no. In any other season, it would have been great. I mean, I, I worked here before as an intern about five years ago, and we absolutely loved being here. But no, we have plans. Next morning, we wake up, and Jesse looks at me. She says, hey, Josh, I think you need to apply for that position at Encounter. Not only is the wife always right, but I also had that idea in, in my head that was planted there by a God. And I arrived at a place where I was willing to accept that saying yes to God wrecks our plans. Saying yes to God wrecks the plans that we make. Now, another story that I have uh, here is about my friend, Josh. He's on the screen behind me with his wife, Nicole. And it can be confusing because my name's Josh as well, but my friend, Josh, I'll call him my friend, Josh, so nobody's confused. Uh, he graduated from Fair State University, go Bulldogs, uh, with a degree in criminal justice. And for the last couple of years, he's been a police officer at, at different cities in Kalamazoo, Jackson, Lansing, uh, Lake, De Lake Odessa, if you can even count that as a city, uh, you know, one stoplight kind of deal there. Uh, so Josh is a police officer, high respected job. I mean, our kids will line up to meet a police officer because they look up to these kind of figures. You put a police officer, a, a fire hydrant with uh, with with firefighters and some ambulances in a parking lot, and, and these kids are going to be busy and having a heyday for, for, for the rest of the day all the way up until nap time. I mean, talk about a respected job in the community. So about two years ago, my friend Josh was starting to sense discontent and starting to sense a lack of joy for what he's doing. And he talks to me, he says, hey, Josh, I don't know what's going on. I, I thought that I was doing what I always wanted to. I thought I had plans to, to grow in my profession and possibly become captain someday in a department. We had plans to, to lay down roots here in Jackson and to grow our family. I don't know what it is, but I, 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 there's something missing. I don't feel right being a police officer anymore. So about six months ago, he quits his job. And I say, hey, well, uh, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to go to. I'm like, oh, sweet, smart plan. That'll be good. And so I, I meet with him about a month ago, and he's saying, hey, what about physical therapy? I'm thinking physical therapy. That'd be great. I'm like, I mean, that's cool. Uh, my wife is a physical therapist. Uh, and she loves her job. I, I bet you, you'd be a great physical therapist. But, but let me look at this real quick. Um, a police officer and, and physical therapist, do they? Nope. Nope. They, they don't really go together. You would have to go back to school for four plus years to get his doctorate of physical therapy. Not to mention all the money that they would have to spend to get him there. It just didn't make any sense. But he was determined. 
he also arrived at a place of being okay with saying yes to a God that wrecks our plans. Now another guy, his name's Abraham. We find him in Genesis 12 in the Old Testament. You know, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Wave your right arm, your right leg, left leg. Nod your head, you know, do the floss a little, little bit, you know, like this. And, you know, you stay seated. Don't, don't get up. You see, Abraham also had to face this reality of saying yes to God. And Abraham at the time, he was living in Ur with his grandfather, Naor, his dad, Terah, uh, his brother, Haran, and, and Haran's son, Lot, which is Abraham's nephew. Uh, they were living in, in a place called Ur, which is in southern Mesopotamia, uh, right, right near the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. So fast forward, uh, Naor, uh, his grandfather, and his brother, Haran, die in Ur, which leaves Lot under Abraham and Sarah's care. Now, Terah gets an idea. Hey, we're going to move to Canaan. We're going to move to Canaan. So they, they take off from Ur, and they go up, taking the, the river system up, following that, and they settle in Haran. They didn't actually make it to Canaan. I don't know why they didn't make it to Canaan or go all the way. It's not really clear to anybody why, but I, I think they just kind of arrived there and said, oh, this is good enough. It's great. We got the rivers. We got sustainability. It's, it's going to be fantastic. So they're living in Haran. And the thing about Ur and Haran is that excavations of graves uh, in the 1920s point to a large amount of precious metals and gems in the area dating back to the early Bronze Age. They were a very prosperous nation. They, they had it. They had money. They had infrastructure. They had sustainability. They, I mean, heck, they had, a, they had a river system. You need a river system to survive. That's why I live next to the Kalamazoo River. By the way, don't go there because the Kalamazoo River, it's kind of stinky. Um, it's a paper plant there. It's a big mess. Just don't go. Anyways, but you're always welcome at my house. Uh, so they're moved up to Heron. Uh, Heron is a rich place. They settle there. They're prospering. But here's one thing, is that, is that they worship idols. They worship this god, a uh, small g god called Sin, which is the moon god. And what we know about the moon god is that the people would build these things called ziggurats, or, or, or big temple mounts, you know, lined with stairs leading all the way up to the top. And they would worship the moon god, Sin. Now, growing up in Sunday school, I always had the assumption that Abraham was a, was a man of faith for his whole life, that he had faith in the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. But, but actually, more evidence points to the fact that Abraham was far from the God of the universe, that Abraham was engaging in pagan worship. Like the rest of Mesopotamia, Abraham didn't know who the God of the universe was. Now, this is kind of a, it's kind of a good, bad thing. Well, the bad thing is that he didn't know the God of the universe. The good thing is that God met him where he was and used him for big purposes. 
I mean, that's, that's assuring for me to hear. That's assuring for anybody who feels far off from God. God doesn't just demand us to have everything together in order for us to go out and have purpose in life, but he meets us where we are and uses us and builds us up and takes us from being far from him to having a new life in him, being close to him. We see this outlined in Abraham being far from God in Joshua 24, it says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Naor, lived beyond the river, which is the Euphrates and the Tigris, and, and worshipped other gods. Abraham is far from a relationship with the God of the universe. We're going to pick up in Scripture in Genesis 12 uh, to look at this story. So if you have your Bibles with you, take those out, turn to Genesis 12. You can reach in front of you under the chair and grab a hard cover. You can also pull out your phone and use the Bible app or the words will be on the screen behind me. So let's dive in. Uh, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. The first words out of God's mouth here is go. I mean, that's encouraging to me to hear because I'm a Christian. I get excited about, you know, knowing God calls us to do something big. I get excited about the reality that God calls us to go out of our comfort zones and into uh, some kind of awesome thing, either, either, in, either in the community or in the world. But for Abraham, there were some issues here. You know, for, first of all, he, he wasn't close to God. So going to a foreign land, going to a foreign place would, would just throw him off entirely. It's like, do I trust you? Do I have faith in you? I mean, he had questions like, you know, where are we going? Who is going? When do we go? Do we go tomorrow in, in 10 days? Do we go in 10 years from now? What route do we take to get there? Do we follow the river system or do we, uh, do we go into the Arabian desert and, and possibly die? What do we do when we get there? What's the purpose of all this? What's the mission? What, do we just pick up our lives and then continue it in a foreign land that we know nothing about? And probably... The most important question that I would have in this situation is how many miles between each Chick-fil-A? Because let's be honest, the deluxe spicy chicken sandwich is the best thing ever made. And pair that with some waffle fries and a large lemonade and you got yourself something the most delicious. It's estimated that their trek from Haran to Canaan was around 400 miles. And if you look at this, uh, they had already gone 600 miles from Ur up to Haran. So they're going to go uh, 400 more miles, which makes 1,000 miles. And this is even before the proclaimers had come out with the one-hit wonder, 500 miles. So I can establish from this that the proclaimers were inspired by Abraham's trek from Ur all the way down to Canaan. Right? No, probably not. So here's a little nugget about my upbringing. 
Anytime my dad and I went on a road trip, uh, we would start the trip with a half gallon of chocolate milk and a half pound block of Colby Jack cheese. We would either do that or we would get a half pound of beef jerky with a super, super big gulp from 7-Eleven. That's 64 ounces of pure sugar and bliss, people. The only thing that would make that better is a big old tub of ranch dressing. And that's what I call a Midwest delight. Yes. I mean, to this day, I look forward to the next road trip my family can go on because I, I want to teach my daughter, Nora, that this is what we do when we go on road trips. Uh, we get beef jerky. We get blocks of cheese. We get chocolate milk. Uh, we get super, super big gulps, uh, big old cups of diabetes, and, and, we, and, and we go on these road trips. And oh, yeah, we top it off with some ranch dressing for a Midwest delight because we live in the great state of Michigan. This is what we do. Now think about what your family's experience with road trips is. Packing is an awful mess. Uh, it always results in somebody packing for, for a whole month when they're really just going to be gone for the weekend. And, you know, all the packages get put uh, behind, behind the car where dad, he takes on the challenge of a real-life game of Tetris, right? Uh, packing everything in the car. He says to mom, hey, uh, you got any L shapes over here? I, I need it. It'll go perfect right here. Okay, Z shapes, Tommy. Z shapes. I need that. Find it for me. I need it. Uh, okay, now I have the square, and that fits perfectly right here. Shut the hatch, and I win. That's right. By the way, happy Father's Day. Dads are the true champions of packing cars, and we appreciate you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you. So you hit the road, and Dad, once again, is naming off these random facts about everything that he sees, right? So, for example, you're driving through Indiana, which, why would you? But you're driving through Indiana, and you see a billboard for the second largest rocking chair in all of Indiana. And Dad is just like, oh, my lanta. Kids, we have to stop and we have to get a photo op here. It would go great with your, mom or with your mom's uh, Shutterfly book that she's making about this trip. Go right on the cover. It would look so cute. And everybody in the back is just rolling their eyes saying, oh, not again. You know, kid one is, is in the back seat slurping down this uh, super, super big gulp that you picked up on the way, uh, 64 ounces of, of a mess probably. And then kid two is behind kid one, kicking the back of his seat. Kid one spills his 32 ounces of the 64 ounces, and because of nausea and an upset stomach, you can fill in the blank for what happened to the other 32 ounces. <sighs> to put this in Abraham's context, Abraham just passed the third tamarisk tree, and for the third time says, hey Lot, did you know that the tamarisk tree is widely known as the salt cedar? And did you know that the salt heater is actually a symbol of a covenant? Did you know that? I think I'm going to plant a salt cedar uh, in the place where, where, where we're going as a, as a symbol of what we've been through and what, uh, you know, this God of the universe has taken us through. And then Sarah leans over to him, says, hey, Abraham, uh, 
I think we're supposed to turn left at that rock pile back there. Can we go back and, and check? And, you know, GPS hasn't been invented yet, so they rely on other means of directions. I really don't want to end up in the Arabian Desert because, like we've established, that's just an awful place to be. Abraham, what do you think? Of course, Lot finds himself behind yet another bush from emptying the super, super big gulp clay jar of water two miles back. Oh, Lot. Like us, Abraham probably had some reservations. He had some difficulties with this road trip, and he didn't know where he was going. Abraham, it's safe to say that he had some questions about where he was going, but also about his own personal call into this situation. And I think that we, as human beings, also question God when we're called to things. We wonder about our own purpose, if we're the right people for the task. But let me tell you some truth from Scripture, that God makes no mistakes when he calls you to his purposes. God makes no mistakes because guess what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made on purpose with intentionality for you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works in which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God makes no mistakes when he calls us No mistakes when he called Abraham, for he called Abraham on purpose for his purposes. So if you turn to me, turn with me to verse two through four. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. There are so many reasons why this verse would be troubling to Abraham. I mean, For me, all I see is encouragement because I'm a very positive person. Uh, But to Abraham, he's looking at this and saying, hey, I'm 75 years old. And by the way, my wife, Sarah, she's barren. You know, the likeliness of her even having kids is slim to none. So, So God, when you say that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Another trouble you might have had is is they didn't know the people in the land that they were going. They didn't know if they were nice or mean. They didn't know the government. They didn't know if the government was oppressive or if they were welcoming. They didn't know the religion of the place. They didn't know if if they worshipped this pagan god, sin, or if if they worshipped the god of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. But the most important one, the biggest one, was that they didn't know the land that they were going to. They didn't know the land. Let's take a look at Canaan. So Canaan was not a place where people were flocking to and setting up camp. I mean, you can see that on the image behind me. 
That's that's Israel today. And that's specifically Tel Arad, which is uh, very close to where Abraham would have wound up, kind of near the Dead Sea. It's not a place where people were flocking to. Canaan was dry with no reliable or consistent water source. There would be drought and lack of food. I mean, you look a little bit ahead in the chapter and you see that Abraham actually flees from Canaan to go to Egypt because of a drought and a famine that's happening in Canaan. There would be drought and lack of food. I mean, look to the north, you have Mesopotamia that has two major river systems flowing through it, the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. It has reliable, consistent water source, which also means that it has sustainability for life. You need water and you need food in order to thrive. And then to the south, to the other end of Canaan is Egypt. And we know about the Egyptian empire and how they relied on the, the Nile River to build all the infrastructure that they were able to build. Both locations had two of the most vital necessities in life, food and water. And either place would have been ideal to settle in. But God, God has different plans for Abraham. Canaan is right in the middle between two of the greatest nations at the time, Mesopotamia and Egypt. However, running right through the middle of it was what's called the main trade route or superhighway of the time. This is a silver lining. This is what makes Canaan a strategic place for God to send Abraham. I mean, this trade route is called the Via Maris, which translated means, you know, way of the sea was almost exclusively used for the transport and trade of goods and military movements. You couldn't get from Mesopotamia, uh, from Egypt, or down to Egypt from Mesopotamia without going through Canaan. I mean, we see this throughout history when we see the Assyrians uh, you know, do all their battles and take over in 720 B.C., or, or, or the Babylonians uh, taking down Jerusalem in 586 B.C., or the Persians, or even the Romans, all of which used the Via Maris to conquer. On and around this superhighway is where one would probably come in contact with thousands of people. I mean, this is where caravans of upwards of a thousand camels could be seen transporting supplies and people between Mesopotamia, right between idol-infested nations. God places Abraham and promises blessing promises to make him into a great nation and to bless those that he comes in contact with. I mean, is it possible that God did this to reach the people that he created and loved but rebelled against him and ran away from his words? Abraham was used by God. Okay, okay. Abraham was used by God as a hinge in history, opening the door for God's redemptive plan to play out into the world. That is Abraham's 
purpose. God called Abraham on purpose for his purposes, people. And that purpose we see is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise of blessing to the nations. We see that when, when he died on the cross and he, he was buried and then he rose again. That in itself. From patriarch to patriarch, from, from king to king, David to, to Hezekiah, from prophet to prophet, all leading up to the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan to restore broken people to a right relationship with God. Because, because why? Because why? Because people, people matter to God. You matter to God no matter what. No matter what. You see, the first words out of God's mouth to Abraham is go. Go. Leave your father's household. Leave your country to the place that I will show you. And, and I can't help but there's a parallel to what Jesus commanded his disciples before he ascended into heaven. After he gave up his life on the cross, was buried, rose again. Right before he ascended into heaven, he saw many people of which the disciples were part of that group. And he says to his disciples, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Hear this truth. Surely I am with you all to the very end of the age. People matter. You matter, no matter what. So, on this note card that you picked up on your way in, on the back, there's, there's three spaces here. And you might have done this over the last three weeks. It's the growing deeper section that says, choose three people to pray for. Write their names down and put it somewhere that you can be reminded of them. And for this week, I want you to consider three people that you are called to go to, three people that you are called to bless. Now, it could be three different people, you know, look for work, from work. It could be three different people from, from your neighborhood, three different people that you've just had casual encounters with, say the barista at Starbucks. Or... One of those blanks could be for your name. This is something that I had to wrestle with. This is something that I looked at and said, do I need, do I need God to, to do a work in my life? Do I need someone to come near to me and to walk with me and to bless me with prayer and with encouragement? 
Maybe it's your name that needs to be written in the blank like I put my name down. Here's the truth about going. Here's the truth about writing your name down in the space. Going is scary. It's scary for all parties involved. I mean, it was scary for me and my wife. You know, leaving my, my full-time job and coming here for, for a 20-hour-a-week youth director position. We have to figure out logistics. We have to figure out childcare. We have to figure out all these things. But when we focus on that only, when we focus on making our plans the focal point, then we miss the possibility of God using us for his purposes. We miss the possibility of having a faith in God that can move mountains. Just like Abraham had faith to go leave his country into an unknown place. So also, my wife and I had to face the reality that saying yes to God will wreck our plans, but it is worth it. It was scary for Josh, my friend Josh and his wife, you know, giving up a highly respected job for something unknown, for something that would pull him into four plus more years of college X amount of dollars spent to get him there. And all for what? Because God calls us on purpose for his purposes. Guys, God wants to exchange fear for faith in him. God wants to exchange fear for faith in him, to be part of a big picture, the big story. And let's be a part of going to people who need Jesus because God called Abraham on purpose for his purposes and he calls us on purpose for his purposes. Because guess what? People matter to God. You matter to God no matter what and pray with me God we love you and we we thank you that you have looked at us and you've seen a good creation you see your children you see people who aren't abandoned but you meet us where we are. You meet us where we are, trapped in sin, trapped in darkness. And you say, that has no hold on you. The God of the universe sacrificed his life in Jesus Christ, his son, to give us purpose, give us meaning. Give us a life that is worth living far from God to new life in Christ. God, we love you and we thank you for that truth. In your name we pray, amen.